So got a little, uh, little trivia, trivia question for you. TV is the topic. There were three TV series uh, in the history of television who, when they went off the air, were number one in the ratings. Only three shows that absolutely went out on top. Most shows, you know, they get canceled, right? Because the ratings are starting to tank and eventually they get canned. These three shows quit and they were number one in the ratings. Anybody have a guess? No, it's funny, everybody thinks it's MASH. MASH had that, like, they set a record for the, their final episode, but it, MASH wasn't number one. Mary Tyler Moore, no. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a hint. One is from the 50s, one is from the 60s, one is from the 80s. How about the, uh, the one from the 50s? Lucy, I love Lucy. The 1960s, this one's a little, I think a little tougher. Gunsmoke, no, good guess. Cheers was the 80s, not Cheers. Huh? Baywatch? Oh, Baywatch? Are you kidding? Brady Bunch, sorry. You know where my mind is, Baywatch. Um, not, not Brady Bunch, sorry. Um, my three sons. Nope, I'll give it to you. The 1960s, it was uh, Mary Tyler, uh, no, no, uh, Andy Griffith's show. They went out on top. In the 1980s, it was, uh, I think somebody mentioned Seinfeld before. So Lucy, Andy Griffith, Seinfeld. They were all number one when they went out. And I read that in this article, uh, which was about that. It was about going out on top, uh, knowing when it's the right time to pack it in, or to make a change. And they gave lots of examples. It wasn't just TV. Uh, they talked about sports, people who uh, either went out on top or very much didn't. Michael Jordan did, Joe DiMaggio did, John Elway did. They walked away winning. Muhammad Ali didn't. His end was not great the last couple of years of his career. Politicians who say uh, one, more, one more election and they get beat because they just stuck around too long. Anyway, this article talked about the TV shows and it used those three as an example, Lucy, Andy Griffith, and Seinfeld, and they said all three of them, if you kind of watch the shows from a historical perspective, they all evolved, which I guess makes sense. You know, we're always evolving, right? He said they all began good, but not great. Each of them, the first season or two, it was like characters weren't really fully developed yet. The writing hadn't quite kind of come into its own. 
but usually by year three, four, five, in the middle piece, they just hit their groove and everything kind of comes together and their, their greatest episodes are generally in that middle period. And then, toward the end, they started to lose their punch. And in the case of those three shows, they knew it. You know, they knew like we, still number one, still killing it in the ratings, but like we're not, we're not what we once were. And they wanted to go out good. And they did. Baywatch, are you kidding? Baywatch, what are you talking about? No, I know, I know you didn't mention Baywatch. Only joking. But this idea of uh, evolution kind of evolving, not always being perfect from the start. I mean, again, right? That's a given, of course, right? How about with Jesus? Like, was Jesus perfect from the start? Did Jesus ever have a bad day? Did he ever lose his fastball? Or kind of go through a slump? It's kind of hard to know some of this stuff. I'm sure some of you were like, yeah, I'm sure he did. And then some of you are probably like, no, nah, I don't think so. I mean, he was fully human. Well, if he was fully human, then who doesn't have batting slumps? Who doesn't have bad days? But this guy also raised people from the dead, and he calmed the storms. He was obviously fully divine. How do you do both? He was both. You know, we studied this question a lot when I was in the seminary, like read books on it. This whole question, how could somebody be both fully human and fully divine? You know, this parable that I just read, it kind of got me thinking about this question. Very practically, because I'm not, I'm not a big fan of this parable. It's not my favorite by any stretch. Last week, oh my, last week was incredible. Last week was like his greatest hits. The prodigal son, the good shepherd, they're timeless. They're forever. Everybody loves those parables. They speak to everybody. But this one today is kind of strange. It's kind of a confusing parable. Sounds like he's encouraging the guy to cheat and to lie. Like when you get in a jam, if you gotta, well, do what you gotta do. That's kind of what it looks like. I mean, this particular, you know, this particular guy works for this rich guy. He handles his money and his investments. Anyway, the rich guy finds out that he's not doing a good job. He's lost him money. He's got less. So he calls him in, he says, what's the deal? The guy doesn't really have an explanation. He says, okay, you, you're done. And he fires him. But before anybody knows about it, this guy goes, all right, I need to get a, I need to get a game plan here. So he goes to all the debtors, all the people that owe the rich guy money. And he says, you know what? You owe him 100, make it 50. You owe him 80, 40. 
And his thinking is, they're going to love this guy because he cut, he cut the debts in half. So that when he's looking for a job in a little while, or looking for something to eat, he'll have these people to go to. Anyway, that's the plan. That's what happens. The rich guy finds out, and the rich guy goes, yeah, I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> like, well done. Even though you, you stole my money, you canceled debts that you had. He had no right to cancel debts or to lower debts. It wasn't his place. But this guy is impressed with his sort of, I don't know, ingenuity. And that's, that's the story. So you listen to it and you're like, is that what Jesus is saying we should do? When we get in a bad way, do whatever you have to? Break the rules in order to stay afloat? So is Jesus saying, do whatever you gotta do in order to protect yourself? Well, there's no way Jesus is saying, cheat and, and steal and take what's not yours. So it's just not clear. Like, is it possible that this just isn't one of his best parables? Is it possible that Jesus had better parables than others? I mean, we have better days than others, don't we? This whole humanity thing, maybe this one is just... I mean, he can't be wrong. He never would communicate a, an untruth because of his divinity. But maybe it's just not his best. Like, I think it's okay to see Jesus that way. I think sometimes we only see his divinity. Well, that's a question to ask yourself. Like, who do you, what do you gravitate more toward? His humanity or his divinity? The miracle worker? Or the, the baby who was born in a stable? Or the guy who died on a cross? Or the guy who rose from the dead? Like, they're both true, right? You know, I was over in, uh, it's a couple, a couple of years ago now, I was in the school, and I think it was probably second, second or third graders, I was in the class talking to them, and we're talking about Jesus, and we must have, I must have read a parable or something, I don't even remember, but they started pumping me with these Jesus questions. And part of it became this whole divinity-humanity thing. They weren't using those words, but was Jesus like a superhero? Or was he just like kind of us? How could he be both, they were wondering. The second graders were asking the question that we studied about in the seminary. How could you be both? We can't be both, but God's son can. God's son is, but like how? And that's when I started grading classic sort of second grade questions. They asked me, did Jesus have friends when he was little? And I was like, I'm sure he did, right? Jesus must have had a gazillion friends because he was just the, he was the best. Probably everybody wanted to be friends with him, don't you think? And they were all like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Did Jesus play sports? That was the next question I got. And I'm like, I'll bet he did. No, no, did Jesus like sports? I was like, yeah, sure he did. I mean, sports are great, right? And they're all shaking their heads like, yeah, definitely. What sports did he like? <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't know. 
Like, I don't know what sports they had back then. So this little second grader goes, well, then let's Google it. <laughs> so we did. And I'm like, I'm sitting there on my phone. Okay, so what were common sports in the day of Jesus? And, you know, there's always, there's always an answer with Google, right? So they gave us this list of what they thought were like, what they know were sort of sports 2,000 years ago. Archery was a big one. So I'm explaining these. They didn't know what archery was, like a bow and an arrow, and you shoot the bullseye. And then they got it. And then this kid says, well, did he always hit the bullseye? <laughs> like, they're asking all the questions that, I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think he probably, because he was a human being, right? I don't think he always hit the bullseye. There was another sport that they said was sort of like a precursor to soccer. They love that, because they all play it. One kid says, well, if he was a goalie, did they ever score on him? And I was like, I bet they probably did. Because, you know, Jesus was just a kid. He was probably like, you know, sometimes we, sometimes we lose, right? And they were kind of getting that. But then I said to them, but you know what? He never cheated. And he was never a sore loser. He was never jealous of people when they won and he didn't because he was divine, because he was perfect. So it really kind of is both. Yeah, like, he didn't always hit the bullseye, but he always acted with dignity. And there, I think, is kind of sort of how these two things can live together. So what's the point of the, what's the moral of the parable? What was he saying? Do what you have to in order to survive? I, it can't be that. That would go against the divinity thing, right? Here's another TV show, not nearly as great as those three. Remember the show MacGyver? Sort of a, kind of a ridiculous show back in the 80s. It was this guy who was like a secret agent, this brilliant secret agent. He'd always get in these impossible situations where he was on the verge of death. Every episode. And then he would always find a way of surviving this terrible situation. And he would take things that were there. It was brilliant. He always had a pocket knife, a Swiss Army knife. And he used that thing for a thousand purposes. And he'd take what was in the situation and he'd, he'd invent this stuff and create this stuff and he'd survive. It was crazy. It was like utterly unrealistic stuff. There's actually in the um, Oxford English Dictionary, there's a verb that they added to that dictionary 10 years ago. It's called MacGyver. It's a verb to MacGyver something. This is the definition. To make or repair something in an imp improvised and creative way. Making use of whatever items you have at hand. Maybe that's what Jesus was talking about in this parable. And maybe it's not his best. But if Jesus is behind it, you know this truth. Maybe that's the truth. This MacGyver thing. That guy in the parable was in a jam. And he was like, I gotta find a way of making this work. And he does. We can get hung up on the way he did it. 
maybe that's not the point. Maybe the point is, I gotta find a way. So then I think the logical question then becomes for us. How about our lives? Put yourself into this parable. For the moment, be that guy who got fired. He was in a jam. What part of our lives might resemble his? You ever been in a jam? Who hasn't been? Maybe you're in one right now. Maybe it's gone on so long you've almost forgotten that it's a jam and it's not okay and it's not acceptable, but it's become the norm. Well, maybe this gospel this morning is saying it's not the norm and what's going on isn't okay and you need to find a way, this MacGyver spirit, we need to find a way to fix it. So what's our jam look like? And maybe you're like, you know, right, right now, things are good. I don't, I'm not really, I can't think of any jams that I'm in. Thank God, right? But we also know this, we're gonna, we're gonna face them. It's a part of life, being in a jam. And where do I go, what do I do when I'm in one? Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a relationship, it's your marriage. It's a marriage that's not what it used to be. It's not where it should be. You've both kind of gotten too used to each other and taken the other for granted. And it's just not right. Nobody's really addressing it. You both know it. But nobody's facing it. Well, that's a jam. It's a relationship with our kids. Or if I'm a kid and it's relation, I'm a teenager, it's my relationship with my parents that's just become so toxic and so unacceptable, so disrespectful, so ungrateful. And that's got to be dealt with because they deserve the respect. Maybe it's my health. My health has become not good and I'm not dealing with it. I'm drinking more than I should. I put on weight, I'm not, it's just, I'm not, I gotta get it together and I'm kind of floundering. I'm in a jam. And he says in this jam, find a way out. What's jammed up in your life? Make it work. Don't walk away. Find a way.